The following audio is from LaGrange Church of Christ, located in Texas. For more information about LaGrange Church of Christ, please visit our website at www.lagrangecoc.com. Isaiah 11, beginning in verse 1. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. And with the breath of his lips, he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox." The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples of him, shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious." May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Well, this week we encounter another passage in Isaiah that that provides a word of hope. And we saw last week that Isaiah prophesied during dark times. Uh, Things were not as they should be. The government was corrupt. Uh, Leaders were taking bribes and, and, and gifts Uh, The poor were being neglected. Orphans and and widows were not properly being cared for. Darkness covered the land. And it is in this context that Isaiah speaks. And we, probably most of us here, think of Isaiah as a prophet. But you could just as easily think of him as a poet. Because the book of Isaiah is filled with beautiful Hebrew poetry. And so I want us for a moment to consider what we think of when we think of a poet. Most of us probably don't think of a poet as being dangerous or threatening. We probably don't think of a poet as being a person of power or influence. We may even think that poets are are sort of one of these positions in society that, you know what, they're they're not really necessary. If you have them, then that's nice, but if you don't, then that's okay. And if that's what we think of poets, then we are greatly mistaken. Isaiah provided hope through his poetic messages And it was for this reason that he was put to death. According to Jewish tradition, he was sawn in half. 
you don't just do that to anyone. He was viewed as a threat because words are important and words have power and certain words provide hope and hope is a dangerous thing to people who want to keep their position. And this is why the poet was put to death. Well, we are looking at, at passages of hope in the book of Isaiah, but we would be wrong to think that uh, this was the only message that Isaiah spoke. Um, our text this morning begins with judgment. It begins with this image of a stump. And where a person finds a stump, you know that there was once a tree. And if you would go back to chapter 10 and read that chapter, you would discover language of God, uh, God having an axe, and he's chopping down trees. And that's not the only place that we find that. We find this kind of language in the preaching of John the Baptist in the beginning of the Gospel of Matthew. For instance, he says, even now the axe has laid root to the trees. And every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit, it's cut down, it's thrown into the fire. And we know that for years, years, Israel was not bearing good fruit. They were worshiping idols, they were not practicing justice, they were not helping the poor, and God was patient with them. But eventually he had enough. And he used first Assyria, and then second Babylon, to judge them, to cut them down. Now God is a God of grace and mercy. But he will also judge those who do not walk in his ways. And so it's not enough just to wear the name of God. It's not enough just to be called Christian. We must bear good fruit. We must practice justice and mercy. We must care for the poor. We must live righteously. Being a Christian is not just about what we believe. That's part of it. But it's also about what we do. And people need to see the good fruit that we are producing in our life. They need to see that Christianity is not just a label. But it's who we are and it's how we live. And so God takes action on those who do not produce fruit. He chops them down. And this is what happened to Israel and Judah. And all that was left of them was a stump. And you may look at a stump and you may see nothing. You know, they're kind of a nuisance. Uh, you know, what was once a magnificent tree is now a piece of dead wood that's just sort of always in the way. And, and you burn stumps, you grind stumps, sometimes you just let them sit there and rot. But did you know that a stump can also be a symbol of hope? We find this unusual statement in the book of Job about trees being cut down and, and then coming back. And really it doesn't mean much in Job. But when we begin to think about it in terms of these other images found in Isaiah and other places, it really is a powerful message. 
And so Job says in Job 14, verses 7 through 9, For there is hope for a tree if it be cut down, that it will sprout again, and that its shoots will not cease, though its roots grow old in the earth, and its stump die in the soil, yet at the scent of water it will bud and put out branches like a young plant. And so we learn that a stump is not the end, especially when God is involved. And the stump that we find in Isaiah chapter 11 is not just any stump, it's the stump of Jesse. And when you look at your genealogy, that's usually referred to as a family tree. But this tree's been cut down. Israel and Judah have been taken into captivity. There is no descendant of David sitting on the throne as was promised. This is a dark moment in the history of Israel. But Isaiah gives them a spark of hope. He says that a shoot will come out of the stump of Jesse. And so this stump that everyone thought was dead and gone and sort of useless... Isaiah says there's still life in it. And a new king is in their future. And he goes on to say this isn't just going to be any king. But this king's going to have the right bloodline. And he says very importantly that the spirit of the Lord is going to rest upon him. Just as the spirit of the Lord had rested upon David before him. And he's going to have wisdom and understanding and knowledge. And in verses 3 and 5, we, we get a description of how this king is going to rule. And we discover that he's going to be a king that, that's not like other kings. And that his rule will be perfectly aligned with the ways of God. And he's not going to veer off the path. Just listen to the description that we're given here. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. And he's not going to judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ear, ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. And so Isaiah gives this strange description of this new leader and he's not judging by what he sees with his eyes or, or hears with his ears. And this seems to be contrary to what we are used to concerning judgment. Because we want a judge that's going to use his or her eyes or ears to look at all the evidence. You know, we want them to use every ability that they have. But we need to remember that Isaiah is a poet, and the point he's making is that the judgments of men are often corrupt and unfair, and this new leader, he's not going to be like other leaders. His judgments are going to be perfectly fair. He's not going to make any mistakes. Even good judges will get something wrong every now and then. 
But this new leader will have a special insight that will prevent him from missing out on any evidence. He's not going to judge with his eyes or with his ears, but with righteousness and with equity. And justice in the Bible is not just about punishing the wrongdoer. I know that's how we often think of justice, but, but, but that's part of justice. Justice in the Bible is also about righting all wrongs and making sure people are treated fairly. And we see this in this passage. The new king will make sure that the poor are taken care of and the poor are not overlooked. Because that was a big problem in Israel. But, but this new king, he's going to take care of all this. He's going to take up the cause of the poor. And he's going to take up the cause of the meek. And people are no longer going to trample upon them. And the wicked should tremble because they will not go unpunished. And he will make sure that their wickedness does not continue. And people are no longer going to suffer at the hands of the wicked. And the new king will have a belt of righteousness and a belt of faithfulness. And he will be a perfect king. And next, Isaiah describes the results of this new rule. And so once the king ascends to the throne, things are going to be quite different. And this is what he says. He gives this beautiful image. The the wolf shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the goat and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together and a little child shall lead them. And the cow and the bear shall graze, and their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox, and the nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra. And the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den, and they shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Again, we need to remember that Isaiah is a poet. And this is his way of telling us there's something wrong with the world. There's something wrong with the world, but it's going to be fixed. And Isaiah could be describing literal animals here. Um, We know that creation was affected by the fall, that it just didn't affect human beings, but... Um, Even the ground, the soil was affected by by the sin of Adam and Eve. Um, So he could be describing literal animals. That's that's a possibility. But but this is also his poetic way of describing um, uh, the many different factions in the world. And so nations war against one another. And people do not get along. and, And there is strife in this world. And it's all caused by sin. But the new king is a peacemaker. And he's going to bring people together, not tear them apart. And he's going to do the one thing <coughs> that other things cannot the other kings cannot do. <coughs> he's going to address the problem that causes strife. He's going to take care of the sin problem. Now, you may have noticed that this passage is similar to the one from last week. And it's obvious 
that Isaiah is speaking about Jesus here. He is the king that Isaiah is describing. He is the Messiah that the people are anticipating. We also know that Jesus has come. And that Jesus has fulfilled parts of this prophecy. But there are other parts of it that have not happened yet. Because we're all aware that we still live in a world full of strife. And that people still don't get along. And that nations go to war against other nations. And sin is still a problem. And if the king that Isaiah was looking for has come, then why do we still have all these problems? Well, there are a couple of clues in the text. Uh, The first comes in verse 9, because after Isaiah describes the world at peace, he says, For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And so when will all people be at peace? When the world embraces the knowledge of the Lord, and we're not there yet. But this also means that we have a special mission as the people of God. We are to be peacemakers because we anticipate what is to come. You see, we're special because we're able to glimpse into the future and see what life will one day be like. And God calls us to live into this future now. We're supposed to live as if this is already a reality. This this means we first need to look to ourselves. And if there is strife within us, then we need to address it. Uh, Inner turmoil can be just as destructive as outer turmoil. And you may be living at peace with your neighbor this morning, but but, but there might be a war going on inside of you. And so before you do anything else, you need to take care of that battle within you. And and you need to seek peace and you need to live at peace. And next, you need to seek peace in your relationships. And I know this is supposed to be a season of peace, but but often the holidays are, are full of anxiety. And people are worried about all the money they're spending. Um, They're they're agitated because they have to spend time with relatives that they don't necessarily get along with. Um, You know, they're jealous of of other families who seem to just have it all together. And sometimes the holidays are a very lonely time for, for people who do not have family or people who have lost loved ones. And we need to be aware of all these situations and seek to live at peace in our own lives. And we need to bring peace to the people around us. And this may be as simple as as giving someone a little extra money to help with Christmas. Or inviting someone over who may be spending the holidays all alone. And we need to be an example of peacemaking in our own relationships. And this is not easy to do. It's difficult. But it's what we're called to do. And we bring peace by practicing forgiveness. And by not holding grudges. 
and by being a calming presence. And when things get heated or out of hand, we remain calm. We don't fly off the handle. We don't say something that we're later going to regret. And we must use our words. Remember, words are important. Words got Isaiah killed. We must use our words to build up rather than tear down. And we must use our words to heal rather than destroy. And this is how we live as peacemakers. Now, the final clue comes in verse 10 where Isaiah writes, In that day the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. And so the arrival of this new king is a signal for what is to come. Jesus ushers in a new era. The healing of all that is wrong has begun. Our Savior has come to earth, but we still wait for his return. We we wait for all things to be made right. We wait for the lamb to lie down with the wolf. We wait for peace on earth, just as Isaiah waited for a king so long ago. The prophet lived in dark times, but he spoke a word of hope. And we have been blessed enough to see the beginning of this reality. We now live in a new era. We live under a new king. We have experienced the goodness of Isaiah's prophecy, and we wait in eager anticipation of the things that are still to come. And we know that through the power of Jesus, one day we will live in glorious harmony because there will be no more sin and we will be in the presence of God. And so, until then, may we live patiently and peacefully as we strive to be examples of the beautiful future that God has in store for all who are faithful. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for this passage of hope. We thank you for this time that we're allowed to to meditate on these Beautiful poetic words that have encouraged faithful people for years and years. We're so thankful that, that you have sent your son and, and we are able to read about him and, and see the evidence of him and, uh, in our lives and all around us. And, and, and we're thankful for the new era he has ushered in. Father, we also long for his return. We long for peace on earth. And we long for all things to be made right. Be with us as we strive to be examples of this future peace in these times of darkness. May we lead others around us 
to you. We're so thankful for the life that your son lived. We pray this in his name. Amen.